Tagovailoa trying to make up for it. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Cologne looking for his first hit of the year. Oh. He drives one! Deep left field! That goes Upton! Back near the wall! It's out of here! <laughs> Bartolo has done it! There's only one word that comes to mind. Greatness. What is up, guys? And welcome back to another episode of the Red Shirt Podcast. We're past Thanksgiving football and what will be traditionally the rivalry week for college football. And we're on to this weird spot. Usually we only, uh, this time of year, we're prepping for championship games in college football. We're in the thick of things for the NFL. This year, not not so much. We still have a great slate of football games um, at the college ranks, as well as some important matchups in the NFL. So for this first half, going over college football, you're just going to get me. And then second half, I'll be bringing on, um, I'll have my guest on to go over the NFL. Um, yeah, all, all there really is to it. I'll, I'll get right into it. Um, start off. I believe this is a Thursday night game, maybe Friday night. Uh, number 25, Louisiana Lafayette, the Raging Cajuns, first time ranked in the college football playoff era ever. They are two-and-a-half-point underdogs on the road at Appalachian State. App State, um, App State not quite the... Tradi- they haven't This year, they haven't quite been the traditional powerhouse they've been in the Sun Belt, but they've always had a legitimate knack for beating App for beat, excuse me, for beating Louisiana Lafayette, and really, it's I think it's more of a we're used to seeing App State absolutely dominate versus this year them already having two losses. Like they're, I mean, they're seven and two. They lost to Coast. Uh, you know, when you lose to a team like Coastal, they won't be going to the conference championship because of Coastal. Nonetheless, I'm I'm rambling. Two very good teams. App State has owned Louisiana Lafayette. Lafayette, this is this is a very important game for them. They're poised they're poised to win their side of the conference either way. But for Billy Napier trying to prove himself, um, to get that next gig, to really establish themselves as a legitimate power in the Sun Belt. Um, this should be a really good one if you like. Um if you're a fan of running teams, because Louisiana Lafayette loaded with some running backs, they have the likes of Eli Mitchell, Trey Ragus. Quarterback Levi Lewis, plenty mobile, and you have the same. You have the same at App State. Ultimately, I like the Cajuns. I know they're playing at App. That's tough on the road, but I think what Louisiana Lafayette can get done on the ground with so many different guys, as well as Zach Thomas, quarterback at App State, really hasn't impressed me at all this year. So my questions about his ability late game. Uh, prompt me to take my Louisiana Lafayette Raging Cajuns. I will say 27-23, to 23, um, Louisiana. Next uh, game on as of now, there have been some questions regarding Ohio State with their coronavirus issues. Um, for now, number four, Ohio State, their 24-point favorites on the road. Going to Michigan State, a Michigan State team that's been incredibly confusing. They've looked... Incredibly awful at some points, lifeless, barely, you know, completing routine plays. And they go out, they beat their rival Michigan. Yes, Michigan might not be great, but nonetheless. And then you take down Northwestern, who's a budding team in the Big Ten, coming off a big win against Wisconsin. 
as much as I'd love to say that I think Michigan State's going to really keep this competitive, I can't. Ohio State, they had the week off last week because of Corona. They played a close game with Indiana. I think Indiana's a better team than they were given credit for, and they also were very sloppy uh, defensively. DBs were getting torched. Justin Fields had his worst game at the collegiate level. But I'm not concerned. I think it's a matter of whether you like the spread or not here, and I'll, I'll take it. I'll say 48-13 to 13 Buckeyes. Next game in the SEC, number five, Texas A&M, a touchdown favorite on the road against Auburn. Auburn coming off uh, demoralizing, demoralizing, demoralizing loss in the Iron Bowl against Alabama. And, yeah, I think most people could have expected that. I think... Many expected Bama to handle them handily. But that's demoralizing for a team that really should... Their record doesn't indicate how good they have been. They have... And I just want to make sure I'm... If you're typing with me confirming this. They just haven't actually... I mean, they had two games that very easily could have went the other way based on officiating. You have the Mississippi... uh, Ole Miss game, I should say. Um, Ole Miss game where there was some questionable, or there were some questions about one play, whether it touched one of the guys or not, it went in Auburn's favor, Auburn wins that by a touchdown, against Arkansas, it was a brutal, brutal mistake by the officiating crew, Bonex spiking it, he clearly spiked it backwards, and Arkansas recovers, but they get, they keep it Auburn, they blow it dead, and then they kick a field goal that wins it, so Auburn, not a very good football team, Tank Bigsby played in the Iron Bowl, but... He didn't. He wasn't effective, and he clearly did not look one hundred percent. This is uh, this is a bad Auburn team, and I think Texas A and M's really hitting their stride. They really after that Alabama game, week two, week three, they've looked nearly flawless. Um, offense is playing good, but especially the defense has been locking down. Last week, offense didn't, wasn't clicking against LSU. The defense totally stifled them. So I like I like Texas A&M. I like them uh, relatively big, those seven points. I, I, I'm a big fan of that. I'll say 31-13 Aggies. So they're trying to do the, uh, a la, I want to say 2017 Alabama in uh, going to the playoff without even playing in the conference championship. Next, we have the number 15 Oklahoma State Cowboys. They're headed to TCU. TCU is a two-and-a-half-point home underdog. Oklahoma State has been incredibly disappointing. We've seen Spencer Sanders has been up and down in terms of production as well as um, availability and health. Chuba Hubbard has easily been the biggest disappointment of this whole season. He's not been anywhere near what we thought he could be. Tyler Wallace is still an absolute stud out at wide receiver. He's great, but he himself, he's not going to be able to entirely drive the offense. With all that being said, I, I'm not super high on TCU, I think. On the road, Oklahoma State's nothing but a guarantee, but I am going to take the Cowboys. I'll take them 30-20. to 20. Uh, next one on tap, the this one. I mean, there's a there's a spread on it, and it's an in-state game. Or actually, wait, I don't want to. Western the Western Carolina, the I want to say, what Western Carolina, what is their mascot? I, Western Carolina. I'm gonna look this up. They're the Catamounts. 
the Catamount. So they and took them from there in North Carolina. So and in it's an it's an in-state game and there is a line on it. So why not uh throw it out there? Western Carolina. Seven touchdowns and a half, 49 and a half point underdogs on the road at number 17, North Carolina. I believe UNC actually moved up in the ranking despite their loss. That's interesting. I think North Carolina is a good team, but that defense, it's just, I, I don't even know if they're the 17th best team in the country. They'll win this game. I think asking to cover 49 and a half is ridiculous. I know Western Carolina is clearly not good, but for. North Carolina to both score over 49 and limit Western Carolina from, like, scoring at all. I, I mean, I probably just wouldn't touch this game betting-wise at all, but seven and a half touchdowns for a North Carolina team, that's, that's a bit much for me. So I'll take North Carolina. I'll have it be by a, by a small margin of only five touchdowns, 55 to 20. Next, another one that uh, definitely could be lopsided, a you know, matchup of teams that I can't say I know incredibly well, that being Rice going to number 21, Marshall. Marshall is a 23.5-point favorite. I'll keep it simple. This Marshall team has just trampled over everyone that they've played. The The Thunder and Herd will continue that trend, 51-17. to 17. And then this one, I had to, I was about to start my recording... And then I I forgot to add this one. I had to change this one a little bit. And that is that the number 13 Brigham Young Cougars came to an agreement with the number 18 Coastal Carolina Chanteliers to play this weekend. Let me tell you, in any regular year, you're like, why does anyone care about BYU versus Coastal Carolina? These teams, but... These teams are absolutely incredible. I am incredibly, incredible, incredibly. The matchup of Zach Wilson versus Grayson McCall and that Coastal Carolina defense, it should be a great one. Uh, Number 13, BYU, they're getting the 10-point advantage on the road at number 18, Coastal Carolina. I think BYU is the better team. I like, I think, Zach Wilson is one of, if not the most dynamic quarterback in the country. So I, I like BYU in this 10 points. I could see them covering, but it being in Carolina, and maybe this is partially just because I want it to be a great game, um, I'll, I'll, I'll have it go close. I'll have it go down to the wire. We'll say 31 to 30 BYU. Um, late heroics from Zach Wilson to uh, keep BYU undefeated. And regardless of who wins this game, I think both of these teams are very legit. Um, Definitely deserving of their top 25 rankings. If anything, I think both should be a couple slots higher. I know BYU's whole thing, you know, I don't know if it affected the committee. I know BYU got some bad rap for their issue with Washington. They didn't schedule Washington. In the end, yeah, it didn't look great, but I wouldn't. Scheduling with the Pac-12 this year is kind of ridiculous because of some of their cancellation policies and how really awful of a conference it is. I don't blame them. Nonetheless, I'll take BYU 31-30. I don't know if he's listening, but shout out Scott Havertz if you're here. Go Cougars. Next one, uh, Syracuse Orange. Go to number two, Notre Dame. Notre Dame, a point shy of 35 favorites. That's 34. And look, Notre Dame... Every every week they're on upset watch. It doesn't matter who they're playing. Everyone's like, could could they go down? Whenever they're in those big games, they everyone's taking the other team. And all Notre Dame has done is consistently balled out 
And Ian Buck is totally, totally, you know, I don't want to say reinvented himself, but repainted his image in some of these big, important games. He's been awesome. The defense is awesome. They will kill a pretty bad Syracuse team. I'll have them just covering the spread, uh, 45-10 to 10 Irish. Next little SEC East matchup, number six, Florida Gators. They are 17.5-point road favorites going to Tennessee. And this, I mean, look, Tennessee is not in a state to win. They, they're, they, I, okay, I guess... They put up a decent fight against Auburn for a little bit. They didn't get blown out necessarily by Arkansas, but they just don't have. I, I think it all starts at the quarterbacks, but they don't have their. They don't have the quarterback production, um, or any form of offensive ability to succeed. So, and then you have Florida, who's firing all, on all cylinders, has you know two Heisman hopefuls in. I suppose one Heisman hopeful in Kyle Trask and his running mate, uh, Kyle Pitts, who, uh, stay tuned. I think I'll be, an article will be up shortly examining the Heisman candidates. Um, nonetheless, this Florida team, they, they can score on anyone. And Tennessee, I don't think I could say the same. So I'll take, um, I'll take Florida, uh, sticking to the tune of last game, of the last game I picked, uh, barely keeping the point spread, we'll say. An 18-point margin, 35-17 to 17 Florida. And then next, we have Big 12 action, West Virginia. Um, they're supposed to host Oklahoma last week, I believe, canceled due to coronavirus. They will be on the road traveling to Iowa State. Iowa State's going to be a 7-point favorite at home. And Iowa State, I think, let me see one. Iowa State ranking. I must have cut this out. Uh, Iowa State, I don't... Do I think they're that great in a national perspective? Not really. Um, I I still think Oklahoma's better than them. You can't say... You know, you can't reflect that in the rankings. But, like, you know, look at this. They're number nine. They're not the ninth best team in the country. No, they're lost to... Their loss to Louisiana Lafayette wasn't a bad loss at all. Uh, Louisiana is very legit, but ninth best team in the country. I don't. I really don't think they're all that. I I was a big fan and am a big fan of Brock Purdy, but he just has not made. Um, he has not made that leap to the next tier of quarterbacking. Their success really hasn't been related to him. They I, on the ground, Brees Hall. He's a stud, so I'm gonna take them. I think West Virginia's been sneaky good. But a lot of their success has been at home. So on the road, I'm going to take Iowa State and I'll take the touchdown. Uh, 40 to 31 Iowa State. But considering they they all but likely will be in the Big Ten, Big 12 championship, I think who, whoever they play, likely Oklahoma, I think they will be humbled. But we'll see when we get there. That's, that's her future episode. Next one, number 12, Indiana. Down there, the leader, Michael Penix Jr., uh, with that, there'll be two touchdown underdogs on the road at Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin ranked number 16. Um, I believe Wisconsin had off last week following the um, puzzling loss to Northwestern. And with this Wisconsin team, I'm, I'm not concerned ultimately. I think 
They got a young quarterback in Graham Mertz. He's, he, he had anything but a perfect game. And around him, there just wasn't a lot of execution. Defensively, I mean, they were fine. They gave up, you know, they lost, they lost in an old school, no, you know, a cheat, cheese it bowl kind of game. Not a lot of scoring. So with Indiana down their starting quarterback, it's really hard to pick Indiana to win this game. But what I will give Indiana is their backup, Jack Tuttle. I think he's very, very serviceable to the point where they – I don't think they'll really have a ridiculous – like they won't turn anemic, for lack of like a better phrase for it. I think Tuttle can still keep them in games. I think I think they can still win this game, I think. Um, as great as Michael Penix has been, there's a lot of talent around them, too. You have, I don't know, maybe it's just that I, I've re- enjoyed watching Indiana and I'm giving Indiana too much credit for having their starting quarterback down. But you got Ty Freifogel, you throw it up to that guy in any, you know, relatively catchable area, he's catching it. So I think t- Jack Tuttle can 100% keep them in this game against Wisconsin, and I think 14 points, I'll take that. We'll say uh, 31 and 26 Badgers, although I, I will be rooting for Indiana um, per year. They're just, they've been so fun to watch. Them and, uh, them and Liberty, America's teams. That, uh, that's an odd sentence in really any other situation you'd be confused by. Uh, next, we have number 19, Iowa, on the road at Illinois. Um, Illinois, 13 and a half point. Uh, home underdogs. And for this one, I was number 19, but this is another case of are they the 19th best team in the country? Probably not. They had a narrow loss to Northwestern. I, uh, opener, they had a narrow loss to Purdue, then a narrow loss to Northwestern. Blew out uh, Michigan State, Minnesota, Penn State, and Nebraska. So they won, they won four straight. But... They were anything but impressive against Nebraska versus an Illinois team that Illinois blew Nebraska out of the water. And this just feels like a game that um, Illinois can take at home because there's nothing super dynamic about... um, There's nothing super dynamic about this team. I mean, yeah, this Iowa team, there's just... Spencer Petros, a quarterback, he doesn't really... Give out a lot. Um, I was never been much for like a dynamic team. You know, if you need a tight end, they're the place to go for tight ends. But they're not built to really. I don't think they're even if they win this, won't be a blowout by any means. Illinois. Um, there's really not a lot to say about Illinois. I can't say Illinois is a particularly great team, although they've you know they they also started off similar. They lost their first three, then they beat Rutgers, and then they beat Nebraska. Um, with their game against Ohio State getting canceled last week. I think neither of these teams are great football teams. I'll take Illinois, and part of that being I'm a big fan of, uh, I believe, he, I think he is a USC transfer, and there's no chance that I'm going to be able to say it correct, but uh, Josh Imatorbahibibi? Imatorbahibibi, I believe. That. Um, so I will take, I'll take Illinois, 24-21. Um, kind of classic Iowa, not super exciting game, no need to tune in. Um, next one, you got number 24, Tulsa. Um, feels like it wasn't that long ago, Tulsa opened against Oklahoma State, and they really gave him a run. 
And that's because Tulsa is a very legit football team. They've had, you know, they've had a couple things go their way. They had a crazy win a couple weeks ago, um, a Hail Mary to get them to overtime before taking it in multiple overtimes. Um, but well, who who isn't lucky at all? That's uh that's their linebacker, Zayvon Collins. He is incredible. Um, you know, for casual football watching, it's hard to really see a guy defensively that can be so explosive. But he he's been incredible. Um, to the point where, I mean, he's I don't think he's ever actually been entirely ranked in it. But when ESPN like drops their um, like Heisman rankings every week, he always has some votes because he is just. He epitomizes that linebacker spot. He does it all, tackling, sacks. He's Zayvon Zayvon Collins. That's a that's the name of the day um, to remember. He'll probably I'm I I don't want to I guess I don't know enough to really I believe he's a junior. I think he's a junior. Following this year, he's um I gotta imagine he's going to the draft. If you look at these stats. Just I wanted to pull it up, so I was. I didn't want to spew anything. Four sacks, two forced fumbles, four picks. He he does it all. Leading this Tulsa defense. Um, and they play a team, Navy. Uh, Tulsa's 12-point favorites at Navy. Navy's not really... The way they play, it's, they, you know, it's kind of hard to blow them out with ball control and such. But Tulsa should win this game. Um, I'll do another one. They just barely cover. We'll say 33-20 to 20 Golden Hurricanes. And then next we have uh, Vanderbilt um, following last week. Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure what their kicker situation is for this week regarding um, their players in quarantine. If we'll see um, Sarah Fuller again. Who we won't see is Derek Mason. He uh, he was canned following last week. Embarrassing shutout loss. This, I mean... I know it's Georgia, and Georgia sometimes doesn't, you know, blow mediocre teams or bad teams out of the water like some of their other SEC counterparts, but it it, it shouldn't be close. Georgia will score. JT Daniels has been phenomenal, and the defense is already great in itself when you're playing a Vanderbilt team that can't score. They didn't score on Missouri. Um, Can't imagine they're going to put up much of a fight, if any. So I'll take take Georgia. I'll take the 35-and-a-half, I believe it is. Um, forty-four to six, Vanderbilt two field goals, manifesting that. Um, really want to see Sarah Fuller attempt to kick. I think, um, I and I think it would be awesome if you know to see her make two kicks. That would uh shut a lot of people up and give uh Vanderbilt a little bit of that attention. Next we have Stanford, unranked Stanford going to number twenty-two Washington. Washington's eleven and a half point favorites, and Washington. And I, I mean, I can, I, I'll be upfront about it. I don't think this was that good of a Washington team, and I, I still don't necessarily think they're that great. I don't know if they're really the top twenty-five team. I don't know if they're the best team in their division with Oregon, who will hit on next, um, who's ranked one behind them. But they should take care of a Stanford team that's just very average, not much going on. Um, that a gritty win against Utah last week, week bef- uh, and then I guess the previous game, not the week before, um, took down Arizona, took down Oregon State. Um, just a just a consistent team for Washington. I think they get this one done, and at that they put themselves in a spot um, 
to win the North the following week against Oregon. So we'll see that. I'll take uh, Washington 34-21 to 21 Huskies. Next, as I alluded to, you got number 23, Oregon, on the road at winless Cal. Cal's a 10-point underdog. And this was another Pac-12 North flop. Um, Cal has been bad. Um, they very easily could have beaten. I don't, I don't know if I'd want to say should have. They very easily could have beaten Stanford. Um, some poor special teams moments and a couple little hiccups. Um, sent the axe back to Palo Alto. I still, I'm still gonna hold out. I still believe that Cal's not that bad of a team. I don't think they're a winless kind of team. And Oregon has been, for a team that's only lost one game, they've been incredibly disappointing. They haven't played like that super tough top team in the Pac-12 that some made them out to be and that they hope to be. Tyler Shaw, not he's he's not quite Justin Herbert at quarterback, and they haven't been able to really take off there. And the defense has still been, you know, de- the you know probably still one of the better, if not the best, defense in the Pac-12. But it just hasn't played as lights out as could be in that loss against Oregon State. That's a that's a really tough one. That's gonna have to make them think and work back. They win this if they take care of business here and they're able to win next week. They're going to the Pac-12 championship. But I think they can't look past this game against Cal. And I think I think Cal takes them to the brink. Oregon's been playing close games, though they'll keep it. Um, I'll say Oregon wins 30-27, to 27, but Cal gives them a run. And then next, we have number three, Clemson, following Trevor Lawrence's return last week. They're 22-point favorites on the road at Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech was hovering around the top 25 to begin the year, and they've Fallen off a hypothetical cliff. Um, following, and this is there's not too much to be said here. Clemson's just rolling offensively. I think they'll handle Virginia Tech easily, fifty nine to twenty Tigers. Next, we got a I believe this is the coastal side of the ACC. Um, Miami Hurricanes and Duke Blue Devils. Uh, sorry, one moment. Um. Sorry, got a text. Um, this is a situation where my uh, my buddy Jacob, avid uh, guest, hopefully avid listener if you're listening. What's up, Jacob? Uh, he was a big uh, preseason Duke guy. He thought Duke could make some waves with Chase Bryce transfer from Clemson, and that has not happened at all. We haven't seen Miami. Miami's been off recently. They they've just had these narrow wins. They've they've done everything they've needed to since Clemson, and I think they'll continue that. I think they'll handle Duke pretty easily, thirty five to sixteen. Next, the Baylor Bears head to Norman to face off number eleven Oklahoma. Oklahoma twenty two point favorite. Oklahoma's clicking right now. They felt it felt like they were very subpar with their two early season losses. But in the end, I think they're the best team in the Big 12. They hammered hammered in Bedlam. They've gotten everything done besides, you know, the early season hiccups against Iowa State. And um, I, I don't know. I think Oklahoma, they're very similar um, of a team to what they've been the last couple years. In terms of that, I still think they're the class of the conference. They're just not quite um, 
there on the national scale. So this year they won't have the opportunity to get blown out in the college football playoff. Nonetheless, um, they will blow out Baylor 50-24. to Next one, um, revenge game for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Expected for Nick Saban to return. We will see. He's on track to. Um, possibly could be Steve Sarkeesian this week as well. They're 29.5-point favorites in Death Valley at LSU. Uh, I think everyone expected LSU to take some form of a step back. It's hard not to after having one of the you know best teams of modern college football. But they've been absolutely atrocious quarterback-wise. Uh, Miles Brennan has been banged up. He's done for the year. They've kind of had a revolving door there. The defense was already not great last year. Um, and then you have this year where it's just been absolutely awful. I think Alabama really just goes out there and kills them. I don't think LSU is going to be able to get many, if any, stops. And the Alabama defense, beginning of the year, people, they I mean, especially following that Ole Miss game, there were a lot of questions. They weren't looking good. Not many people in Tuscaloosa wanted to see Pete Golding on the sideline another week. Well, I might, you know, a lot of people probably still don't love Pete Golding. This defense has been incredible. Um, They shut out Mississippi State. Then they gave up six points to Kentucky before last week. They surrendered, I believe, 13 to Auburn. Very disappointing to see a touchdown given up. I think this is an absolute, like, murder. 52 to 10 Alabama. Um, Last two, some Pac-12 ones. Um, this one's not a top 25 game, but my Arizona State Sun Devils are back in action. They've had quite the coronavirus, I don't want to call it, quite the coronavirus uh, debacle. They've missed three weeks. We're 0-1 with that loss being against USC. We're going to be three-point favorites at home against UCLA. UCLA coming off a win over um, our rival, the Arizona Wildcats. ASU down... Uh, uh, safety or Shari Crosswell, who playing time was actually a bit in limbo with the transfer of DeAndre Pierce, the son of our de- defensive coordinator. He, him, and starting cornerback Jack Jones were both uh, indefinitely suspended. Sounds like it wasn't coronavirus re- related. And then a couple hours ago, I think a Shari Crosswell actually declared for the draft, so he's not going to be there. Status of Jack Jones is to be determined. But either way, ASU, I think the offense, um, they're going to get it going on the ground. They had success against USC on the ground. They've had some time, although they haven't necessarily been able to play as much. Nonetheless, more time is better in terms of the gel between Jane Daniels and some of the wide receivers. I think UCLA is a pretty solid team, and they'll, um, they'll be able to run the ball pretty well. They've had a nice rushing attack. But I think ultimately ASU gets it done, I'll say, 31-17 Sun Devils. And then lastly in the college ranks, I believe this is a Sunday football game, which beautiful marketing from the Pac-12 playing a midday Sunday game, not like, you know, there's a, the professionals playing. Um, that being the Washington State Cougars going to number 20 USC. Uh, I believe both of them had games canceled from the previous week. And... USC should take care of business. They've they're undefeated. They haven't really looked like an undefeated team with shaky wins against ASU and Arizona before having a steady win against Utah. I think Washington State's a pretty solid team. They gave Oregon a run. I like their quarterback, Jaden Delora. 
Fourteen and a half. I'll say that. Um, I'll say that they're able to keep it within fourteen and a half. USC should win this game, thirty-four to twenty-four. Feels like a new episode now, but uh, moving on to the second part of the episode, our guest is here. Um, all the way. I. I mean, I say it. I. Uh, not a big. Not a big podcast, but we stretch ourselves across the country and from Idaho today. I know. We have uh, Mr. Jackson Powers to talk some football with us. Jackson, how you doing? Good. How are you? I'm great. I uh, Let me tell you, I uh, I enjoy podcasting with a guest a lot more than I, when I have to do parts by myself. I find it a lot more uh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, that definitely makes sense. I, I typically like to do stuff more with other people than just by myself, so that definitely makes sense to me. Yeah. So I just got through you. I guess you didn't hear it, but uh, audience <laughs> just went through our college football picks. Moving on to the NFL. Um, before we get into the game picks, obviously some of the scheduling, if any of it, is to be thrown off when this is uploaded, or if it's already thrown off right now. Um, we had Wednesday afternoon football yesterday. Everything's going around. You know, a lot of coronavirus issues. We'll see though. Um, this, as far as I know, um, and I think as far as Jackson knows, this is the slate that we have on tap. Um, so no Thursday night football game, which is why we're able to record this on this beautiful Thursday with no rush. Uh, first game on Sunday, the New Orleans Saints are three-point favorites on the road at Atlanta. What are you thinking, Jackson? So I'm, the, my prediction for this game is going to be a 24-14 to 14 win for the Saints. Atlanta is coming off a huge defensive game in which their defense ended up scoring more than the opposing team's offense. But last time these two teams matched up, Atlanta could not handle the Saints defensive line or the Saints defensive line put up eight sacks on Matt Ryan. So I'm expecting this to to be a pretty defensive heavy game and pretty low scoring. Um, Kamara and Thomas were both limited in practice, so that'll be interesting to see what other targets that the Saints end up leading to. Um, It looks like Julio Jones is going to be out for this game, so I'm expecting a bigger performance out of Russell Gage and Hayden Hurst. And Todd Gurley was also limited in practice, so if he's not playing, look for another bounce-back game from Brian Hill. Yeah, I'm with you. I think I I have the Saints as well. I think this is an interesting one for factors you mentioned, such as Kamara and uh, Thomas not necessarily being full participants in practice. Falcons coming off a big win. A great defensive performance. You don't usually associate that with the Atlanta Falcons. I think exactly. Atlanta can give them a decent run. I think I. I don't think. I just. I don't know if they can score quite enough given the fits that New Orleans gave them last time. So I'm gonna take the Saints. I think it should be a really good close one. This will be, I think, a much more telling game for the Saints than last week. I'll take the Saints thirty-one twenty to seven. That's not it. I thirty-one twenty to thirty-one twenty-seven Saints. There you go. There we go. Um, next, uh, my New York Jets welcome in the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders are eight-point favorites. Um, going into this game, I expect a twenty-seven to ten to ten score with the Raiders getting the win. Um, one thing I've noticed from the Raiders recently, recently from both performance and from press conferences is that they're kind of leaving points out on the field. They're not putting up the op- – well, they're getting opportunities, but they're not converting off that. They're not putting up the points that they should be. So it'll be interesting to see how they fare against a miserable Jets team. Um, 
there's a the Josh Jacobs injury is really questionable. Uh, we don't know if he's going to be returning, but the Jets have put up an absolute lack of production this whole year. It's just apathetic. They don't seem to really be trying right now. But the Raiders did have eight players not practicing as of yesterday. So this game, I expect a bigger passing attack from Derek Carr looking towards those um, wide receiver weapons, especially if Josh Jacobs is not playing. And another thing I expect is a bigger production from Jamison Crowder this game, considering that Adam Gase announced that Sam Darnold would be the starter moving forward. And Jamison Crowder, when he was healthy, really seemed to thrive under Darnold throwing those passes. So that's what I expect out of this game. I absolutely love the way that you, the ways that you found to phrase how awful the Jets have been. It's bad, um, bad football team, bad organization. Adam Gase is doing his job well, though. We are looking clearly perfect for uh, Trevor Lawrence. He's he's doing a parting job of getting us Trevor Lawrence, and then he'll uh, be out uh, collecting a stimulus check. But the the Raiders last week was a massive red flag. Look, they looked lifeless. Derek Carr's been really good overall this year. Last week he looked he looked like a middle schooler. Josh Jacobs dealing with some injuries. I think this is a perfect time for them to get the Jets, and I'm gonna actually temper it down a little bit. The score, um, the Raiders should should win pretty easily though. The Jets can't do anything offensively, and the defense might get a stop or two, but nothing nothing that can really keep it close with the Raiders. So I'll say twenty seven thirteen Raiders. Mm-hmm. Um, quest for zero and sixteen. We'll see. <laughs> um. Next one, we have the Detroit Lions. They're going to be three-point underdogs headed to Chicago. So in this game, I predict a 20-14 to 14 win for the Bears. Um, Stafford and Galladay both might not play. Stafford being limited in practice and Galladay not practicing at all. Stafford's a little bit more likely to play. Galladay, it does not look like he's going to play again. But another guy that was limited in practice was Nick Foles, which would mean it would be, assuming he doesn't play, it would be Mitch Trubisky on the field. And we've seen how either of them play. And going off of this, I think there's going to be, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. But rather than good defense, I think it's just going to be bad offensive performance. Um, I give the advantage to the Bears because they have a really great defense and they don't have as many injuries. And assuming he's healthy, I expect a really big day for DeAndre Swift. Yeah, I think... I also have it being a low-scoring game primarily because it's not necessarily good defense or real. I th- it's just all of it is because of bad. It's not. It's not low-scoring because of good defense. It's not going to be. It won't be high-scoring. But if it is high-scoring, it won't be because of good offense. These are two very bad middle-of-the-road teams. Detroit just fired Matt Patricia. Um, mm-hmm. Chicago. I think everyone you know went in kind of expecting them to lose to the Packers. But just having that come to fruition, that was incredibly embarrassing. Um, whether it be Trubisky or Foles at quarterback, uh, assuming that Matthew Stafford plays, I just like what the Lions bring offensively a little bit more. I think the Bears very easily can win this game, and it being at Soldier Field, albeit no fans, gives them the advantage. I do like Detroit to pull this one out, though, assuming Matthew Stafford plays. I'll say 20-17 uh, Lions. Um, next game, got the Cleveland Browns, not playing like the Cleveland Browns this year, sitting at 8-3, and three, on the road of the Tennessee Titans. The Titans are five-and-a-half-point favorites. Um, so, 
this is going to be the exact opposite of the Lions Bears game we just talked about. This is going to be a very offense heavy game. I predict a 30 to 27 win for the Browns. The Browns have the ninth ranked rushing defense while Tennessee has 16th. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they fare against the opposing running backs. Um, so I'm expecting big carries from both Chubb with Kareem limited in practice and Chubb being the guy that they're kind of looking towards as their main back a little bit more. And I'm also expecting a big workload from Derrick Henry coming off that monster game last week. Um, Johnny Smith did not practice this week, so if he does not play, I'm expecting A.J. Brown and Corey Davis to both get a pretty decent amount of targets. Uh, both these teams have a really bad passing defense, and with the combination of great running offense and bad passing defense, I'm expecting a huge offensive game. And I'm also expecting Jarvis Landry to play really well through a Tennessee pass defense that ranks number 28. If you're a fan of good running backs, this is the game for you. You you mentioned all of them. You got Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, and Derrick Henry. Assuming hopefully all of them are healthy and out there. That is going to be a nightmare for the opposing defenses. And at the same time, you said it, both of those defenses... Um, not particularly great in the past game. What sets me apart for this one, I think these are two very similar teams in terms of how good they are. I like the Titans because in clutch time, if you're going, if you're looking at the quarterbacks, end of the game, you got to throw the ball. I'm taking Ryan Tannehill over Baker Mayfield 10 out of 10 times. So that's why I'm going to take the Titans 30 to 24. With, let's see, next game, Cincinnati Bengals, the Burrowless Bengals, head to Miami to face off against the Dolphins. The Dolphins are going to be 11-point favorites. Um, I expect an absolute blowout in this game. I predict 28-zip Dolphins winning. And as you said, a Burrowless Bengals, but not just without Burrow, also without Mixon, both of which are on IR. And I don't think they're going to be able to score with that valuable players missing and with how great of a defense Brian Flores has built around this Dolphins team. Uh, Dolphins didn't really have very many uh, players on the injury report during practice yesterday. So I'm looking for big games from Devontae Parker and Mike Gesicki this week. And um, I think Fitzpatrick will probably be under center. But if it's a blowout game, I would, I would expect some reps from Tua Tagovailoa. Yeah, so that's, I think... We know that Joe Burrow's not going to be a quarterback for the Bengals. And that, with that, we know that they're not going to have much success against a surprisingly stout unit that is the Miami defense. Um, for Miami, we don't know if it's going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick or Tua Vailoa. It's an interesting dynamic because I think if they're both fully healthy, they would probably prefer Tua. But we're really not sure. So you can see it as that they're going to go to two. You can see it as that they're going to go to Ryan Fitzpatrick. I don't think that changes the outcome of this game. They, they've been a pleasant surprise. I don't think they're going to have to do a lot offensively, considering that this Bengals team is down their starting backfield. You have Brandon Allen starting at quarterback. I, I, I'll, I'll be a little more generous than you. I'll give the Bengals some points, but it'll be a blowout. 28-10 to 10 Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Next, we have the Jacksonville Jaguars going full tank mode, uh, headed to Minnesota against uh, the Vikings, who are clinging on to playoff hopes. They're uh, nine-and-a-half-point home favorites. 
Um, I predict this to be a closer game than most would think. I'm going with 27-20 to 20 with Vikings getting the W. Um, Dalvin Cook is limited in practice right now, so hopefully he'll play. Thielen is back off of the COVID list, and so with Thielen back, I expect a bigger passing attack from the Vikings. Um, I'm expecting some, a good amount of carries for James Robinson, considering Ark might be out. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings have a pretty mediocre run defense, so I think with a top running back like Robinson, I think, like I said, we can expect him to run the ball. And the reason I think this is going to be a little bit more of a close game is I honestly think the Jaguars are one of the better 1-10 teams that we've had in history. Uh, obviously, their record is pretty terrible, but they managed a close game in Green Bay. And with the Vikings, with a little bit similar play style, I think they'll be able to do the same to the Vikings, even if the Vikings are going to pull this one out. Yeah. I mean, Jacksonville, that's, you, you said it well. Jacksonville's not a good team by any means. They've lost every single game since week one against Indianapolis, but they haven't got, been getting blown out like traditional bad teams. Week two, Tennessee, they lost by three. Uh, they kept it close with Cincy. They kept it, clo- they kept it relatively close uh, for a while with Los Angeles, kept it very close with both, both Houston and Green Bay, and took Cleveland to the brink. So I think they'll keep it competitive for the most part. Am I going to take them? No. But James Robinson has just been a total revelation that's been super fun to watch. And Vikings team clinging on to their playoff hopes. I think I don't think they're going to get all the way there. I think they can keep on that journey for this week. Nine and a half is an interesting one. I probably wouldn't put money on this game. Uh, I'll have I'll have the Vikings cover though, thirty to seventeen. And then next one we have the Indianapolis Colts facing off against Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans coming off a big Thanksgiving game. The Texans are three point underdogs at home. Uh, I predict a twenty seven to twenty win for the Colts. This is the first game Deshaun Watson has played without his favorite target, Will Fuller, after he got suspended for the rest of the season for PEDs. So I'm expecting Brandon Cooks to step up and then a little bit more action from Randall Cobb and Duke Johnson with David Johnson on IR. Um, We're going to see if Indianapolis defense can have a bounce-back game after Derrick Henry ran all over them last week. Um, as of right now, Anthony Costanzo and Philip Rivers are not practicing, which probably means it's going to be Jacoby Brissett time in Indianapolis. Um, Houston had very few injuries, with only five players even being on the report, and none of them being a super huge impact. And so I think in the end, Jacoby Brissett is going to lead Indianapolis past a weak Houston defense. Yeah, um, couple revelations I'm having right now. First, I need to stop sending people my my picks with my scores because this is another week people are having really similar scores to me. <laughs> um, and also, I definitely I need a I think I need to bring on some less intelligent guests because you like you've clearly <laughs> done your research like very well. Like I can't say that I've done been in, as in depth this week as going into some of the um the entirety of the injury report, but um, I'm with you. I think Texans, they, they looked good on Thursday night. They've quietly looked pretty solid, but when you're down Will Fuller and an indie team that even if they're not with Phillip Rivers, I don't think it hurts them much, if at all. 
Jonathan Taylor should be back after missing last week due to um, corona. This Indianapolis Colts team, I think they can just pound their way to a victory here. I think Texans can still keep it close. Um, Three-point spread, I have that as a wash. Um, 27-24 Colts. Mm-hmm. Next one, another uh, field goal spread. The Los Angeles Rams are three-point... Uh, let's see. They're three-point favorites. They're three-point favorites on the road going to Arizona. So I predict this one's going to be a 35-28 to 28 win for the Rams. Um, one thing that's going to be super interesting to see is DeAndre Hopkins versus Jalen Ramsey. DeAndre Hopkins probably being arguably the best receiver in the year, in the NFL this year. And Jalen Ramsey, as we've seen him lock up great receivers such as DK Metcalf. Uh, Kyler Murray's still limited with a shoulder issue, and we've seen how that's affected him in his past weeks. Uh, the Cardinals are missing offensive guard Justin Pugh in practice, which could be a possible feast for Aaron Donald if he's out. Uh, the Rams have the fourth-best rushing defense against a heavily, heavily run game, run-heavy Cardinals team with Kyler Murray being one of the most mobile quarterbacks in the league and third-best pass defense. So we'll see. That could affect that DeAndre Hopkins versus Jalen Ramsey matchup. Um, and I expect some rotating targets between Cooper Cup and Robert Woods this week. This is, I think, the most interesting storyline revolving Arizona this week is I'm interested to see the transition that they make from the Cardinals playing at State Farm Stadium on Sunday, and then Monday they're having the San Francisco 49ers are renting out the place um, with some coronavirus restrictions up in Northern California. So I'm interested to see what how they're going to be able to make State Farm Stadium transition into Levi on Monday. Um, in regards to this game... I'm a Cardinals homer. I've been a massive Cardinals fan from the onset of this year. I really like what Kyler Murray does. I love DeAndre Hopkins. Um, and, and the nice thing about this week is I've essentially clinched myself of missing the playoffs in my fantasy football league, so I don't have to necessarily live and die with what DeAndre Hopkins does. But this is a really good Rams defense, I think. Maybe it's just some fatigue that they've been really good for a while. But they're right on par for one of, if not the best, defense in football. You have Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. Aaron Aaron Donald's presence himself um, totally disrupts everything because you have to throw two, three guys on him. He still gets pressure. And around them, I mean, they have plenty of talent. I think I definitely can see the Rams taking this one especially considering how lifeless the the Cardinals looked last week. But I just – it's hard for me to pick against the big play opportunity with Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. And although, um, you know, the likes of Kenyon Drake haven't been as exciting as promised, I think they can still get it done on the ground with both um, Drake, Chase Edmonds, a little bit of Kyler Murray running – it should, I think it should be a really good one, but I'm going to take the Cardinals at home 30-29. to 29. Next one, the uh, New York Giants head to Seattle to take on, and judging by your uh, your background right now with that Seattle Seahawks helmet, um, the your Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks are 10-point home favorites. So I'm taking my Seahawks 27-17 to 17 in the win. Um, obviously... We have been a good team, and Seattle's playing a pretty bad team in the league. 
but Hawks in anyone who watches the Seahawks would know that the Seahawks never play close games. Uh, this would be one of the bigger blowouts of the season, and it's all I only have them being a 10-point spread. Uh, one thing I'm really excited to watch is DK Metcalf versus James Bradbury, who's been arguably one of the best corners in the game, and DK Metcalf, the current uh, receiving yard leader. So due to this tough matchup, I'm expecting a big Tyler Lockett game. I think he's going to start getting the target again and finally reach 1,000 yards, 1,000 receiving yards in the season. Uh, one thing to note is that the Seahawks have been pretty injury-plagued lately. Offensive linemen Brandon Shell and Damian Lewis did not practice, along with defensive end Carlos Dunlap and starting cornerback Trey Flowers. I'm expecting a lot of Jamal Adams blitz packages this week, especially if Carlos Dunlap is out. It's a great way that Seattle has managed to create pressure. You know, people have been calling Jamal Adams blitz boy for a reason because he's fantastic coming off the edge. He's super fast, and it's really hard for the offensive linemen to pick him up. And another thing I've seen is that Daniel Jones has not been practicing lately, so we can probably expect him to be out, which would mean a lot worse of an offensive performance for the Giants. I they call him Blitz Boy because he is Blitz Boy. I man, I I it's I guess it's not on my floor over there anymore. For a while, I just had my Jamal Adams Jets jersey sitting on the floor. I was not happy. Um, outside Jamal Adams. I guess it won't affect him this week, but Josh Gordon was reinstated and should be ready for, I believe, week 16 for the Seahawks. And this is just a clear uh, mismatch. The Seahawks with their potent offense versus a lowly Giants team. The Seahawks defense has been, you know, anything but phenomenal this year. But when you're going up against a Giants offense that already wasn't great, um, throwing on... Starting the likes of Colt McCoy instead of Daniel Jones, it's hard to see the Giants having much offensive success. I think the Seahawks have a big, big, easy game. Um, and to note, I threw in. I think I might make this a thing every week. I'll uh, throw in a projected scoregami. This week it'll be a thirty-eight to eleven Seahawks. That will be the first score of thirty-eight to eleven in the NFL. Can you imagine? Like I know, like. Like people t- like there are really obscure predictions that people get right, but predicting the exact of like a scoregami that would be kind of crazy. That'd be crazy, and it's crazy to think that there's still so many of those that aren't super high scoring. Just considering how long the NFL has been. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if I I can tell you if that somehow did happen, I would. I'd find I don't know I'd find a way to probably buy some like scratchers and just play the lottery because yeah. how, how could you not after that oh um, man that would be that would be crazy that would be something next we have coming off monday night disappointment the philadelphia eagles head to lambo to face off against the green bay packers nine and a half point favorites after some tremendous success on sunday night football All right, well, I know that you could call me crazy, and I know I'm definitely disagreeing with you on this one, but I have a 26-21 Eagles coming out with the win. Um, One thing, one reason I say that is because when when I last watched the Eagles play against Seattle, their defense is tough and physical, and that's one thing that the Packers have been really criticized on, especially on offense, that they're just not very physical and not very tough. Um... I, there's a possible Zach Ertz return this week, which would be a good target for Wentz against a pretty good pass defense. Uh, 
Green Bay has a very weak run defense, which means there's going to be some significant carries for Miles Sanders, who's been a little bit of an underperformer this year. But we'll see how he ends up doing in this game. Uh, I expect snaps from both Wentz and Hurts. More Wentz than Hurts, but Hurts is definitely going to be out there getting a few reps. And another thing to note is that there were many Packers defenders limited in practice this week. Yeah, I, I, I don't really see this one. I think there are many you know, middle-tier teams that I could see upsetting the Packers. But the way that the Eagles are looking right now, it's hard to really see that upside. Carson Wentz has looked like a shell of himself. He's just regressed mightily. And I don't think this offense is really capable of scoring that much, even if the Packers are limited. Um, And, no, the you know, the Packers' offense, um, they have been criticized for not necessarily... Um, playing the best against mm-hmm. some of those tough physical teams. But that this offense is humming right now. They can beat you in a lot of ways. It's not just Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams. In fact, Devontae Adams actually had a number of drops on Sunday Night Football. But A-Rod's slinging it great. He's throwing it. You got Devontae. You got Big Bob Tunyon. Uh, Marcus Valdez-Scantling's had some moments this year. Aaron Jones is an absolute beast on the ground with a nice cuffback of Jamal Williams. I think yeah, I'm totally on the opposite side of the, on this as you are. I think the Packers rolled to an easy victory, and I hope to see some. J- I think Jalen Hurts should definitely get some legitimate playing time, but we'll see. Uh, nonetheless, blowout in Green Bay, forty to seventeen Packers. Yeah, I knew that would be quite the unpopular opinion, but we'll see who ends up getting the prediction more correct. Oh yeah, we'll see. I'm all, I'm all, I'm all for the uh, bold predictions. I'm all for it. <laughs> Um, the next one, which I believe, um, the line was set at, at even when I wrote this down, it's the New England Patriots headed to the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, I'm seeing a win for the Chargers coming out of it 28 to 18. Uh, one thing I've noticed is Cam Newton just cannot figure it out right now. He's been horrible at throwing the ball this year. He has, his touchdown interception ratio as of right now is four to nine. Uh, there's a ton of people on the injury list, like I said, Cam Newton, but also Joey Bosa has not been practicing. Uh, the Patriots have just looked like a sloppy, sloppy team lately. It's very uncharacteristic of Bill Belichick, but we'll see if they can figure it out. Uh, one thing I've noticed is that Justin Herbert really likes Eckler who put up 11 receptions last week. And believe me, it was very annoying to go up against them in fantasy. But um, I don't think the Patriots will be putting up much of a fight, especially offensively this week. Obviously, like, it sucks to go up against, like, Derrick Henry in fantasy because, like, you know, Derrick Henry is just going to run for a lot of yards and touchdowns. But mm-hmm. a, a, facing receiving backs is almost worse because you have mm-hmm. a guy like Eckler who is not super powerful, but then he just gets you just get so many catches out of the backfield. And when you're playing PPR, it's just a nightmare. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, he didn't even put up a touchdown last week and still got a very significant load, bulk load of points. Yeah, I um, I think this is really, really a toss-up, as indicated by the fact that there wasn't a uh, stone-set line. Cam Newton has been absolutely awful, and the fact that the Patriots are still at 5-6 and six amazes me. He has been nothing short of horrendous, and, like, they've been winning some games the last couple weeks, so, like, I don't know, maybe it kind of feels like he's been better, but he just hasn't. They have not been winning games because of him. 
But at the same time, this is this is a Chargers team that I, I really liked them to beat Buffalo last week, and they were in it. I cannot justify taking the Chargers really in any circumstance at this point. I already I love to root against the Chargers. Um, in fact, the I mean I'm thinking about this. This is easily my matchup of uh, my two least favorite teams in all of football, and I I would say I'm strongly rooting for the Patriots. The Chargers just can't be trusted. It's as simple as this. So many of these games on paper, and even not even just based on over on the majority of how they play, the Chargers should be winning th- these games. But they simply don't. So I'm gonna I'm gonna count on a little bit of Bill Belichick uh, dark magic, and I'll say the Patriots win twenty three to twenty one to crawl back to five hundred. Um, man, this schedule is so weird. I think this I believe this is the Sunday night game. The Denver Broncos, perhaps sporting a quarterback this time around, that'd be helpful. Face off yeah. against the reigning champs, the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs. Two touchdown favorites at the Chiefs' kingdom. So this Sunday, I predict a 30-17 to 17 win for the Chiefs. Uh, there's not a ton of explanation needed here. It's so hard to bet against the Chiefs, especially against a team like Denver, who doesn't have as much of an offense. One thing to look at, though, is Mahomes is playing one of the best defenses he's played yet, especially talking about the Denver being a top-10 pass defense. So maybe they'll start leaning on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire a little bit more this game. But I think this isn't going to be a very close game because one of the hardest things to do this year in the NFL is to contain Patrick Mahomes. And so I just don't see the Broncos pulling this one out. Last week was so weird for the Chiefs because they only won by three. But, it I mean, it felt like they just blew out. They, it felt like they just dominated the Buccaneers. That's what I. That's what my prediction was an absolute blowout. I know it wasn't quite. It wasn't quite that point wise, but I think it served the purpose of that the Chiefs are still really, really, really good, best team in football, and that the Buccaneers are farther away than expected. I digress. The Kansas City Chiefs are the best team in football, and I don't think they're going to be stopped by a team like the Broncos, especially. You know, I don't think anyone can stop that offense. And the Chiefs' defense has quietly been great this year. And the Broncos, with or without a quarterback, have uh, really stalled offensively. So this isn't too hard for me. I think, you know, maybe you could speculate on the two-touchdown spread. But I'm going to take the Chiefs to cover, 38-16. to Mm -hmm. Uh, Next, we got our duel of Monday Night Football. And then still a Tuesday night after that. Uh, the Washington football team, off of a blowout win over the Cowboys on Thanksgiving, they're nine and a half point underdogs as they head to Heinz Field and face off against the undefeated Steelers. Um, so I think this is going to be uh, another easy win for the Steelers. I pick them winning it twenty-eight to fifteen. Um, Steelers obviously did not look good at all yesterday, but this is yet again another fairly non-competitive team that they're playing and they've seen a lot of that in their schedule so um i'm looking for another decent amount of carries from benny snell and i'm also interested to see what the washington what washington's game plan is on offense against in my opinion the best defense in the league this see you you took the uh you took the eagles now i'm taking the football team i made this prediction (laughs) before uh the uh I I don't I don't know I can't really think of a 
clean word to use, uh, after we, whatever football game was played yesterday. Sloppy, poor football game. I don't think that's really indicative of quite who the Steelers are. But I think Washington can give them some tricks because Washington, they've been... I know I know it's the Cowboys, and I, I can't stress this enough that I understand that it's the Cowboys, but they have looked, like, competent. I can't... I can't lie, they've they've looked decently solid. Antonio Gibson is an absolute stud and no, you know, one guy's not gonna be able to win you uh a game against the Steelers specifically. But I think I really think they can compete and after you know, these this weird week with playing Wednesday night football and some of the coronavirus stuff looming, I think this is prime upset territory. Um it all has to do Washington needs to keep that lockdown defense limit uh the Steelers offense and if you can get a couple big Antonio Gibson plays uh it'll be hail to the football team and that's why I'm I'm taking them I'll say 17 to 16 um sloppy game in Pittsburgh that ends with uh the no namers uh giving the Steelers their first loss next one we have the Buffalo Bills as three-point favorites on the road, quote-unquote, in San Francisco, but actually in, in Arizona against the 49ers? Um, so this might surprise some of the viewers, but I have the Niners pulling this one out, 28-27. to 27. Um, Watching their last game, their defense is finally mostly healthy again, and it looks really good. Another thing to note is that Buffalo has a pretty bad run defense and one of the things that Shanahan is best at is the run game especially this year they've been able to keep a good run game through injuries on top of injuries using four or five different running backs they've still managed to have a great run game and so I'm looking for Raheem Mostert to reestablish himself as both the Niners main starter again and one of the better backs in the league Uh, Raheem Mostert has been a guy that if he hadn't been injured, I think he would have had a great season. I've been looking at Moster since before, and I've had quite the eye on him. Uh, I think Josh Allen will keep a pretty productive offense this week. Um, there was no one super notable on either injury report, injury report other than some of the Niners players. But um, I think this, just like last week against the Rams, the Niners and Rams both had a ton of turnovers, and I think it's going to be pretty similar in that sense this week. I think there's going to be quite a few turnovers, maybe some fumbles on the Niners' end, and Josh Allen throws a few picks. But other than that, I see the Niners pulling this one out in a super close game. I'll uh, I'll be rooting for this outcome with you for sure, and I'll maintain that I think the Bills are ridiculously overrated and you know until they win the Super Bowl and shut me up, which... I mean, people on like on national on uh, the Wednesday night broadcast and on some of the other spots where like bells aren't getting their respect. I th- I disagree. I think they're getting too much respect. Um, but I do have them pulling this one out. I definitely can see um this Niners defense. They looked good last week. I can see them forcing some turnovers against Josh Allen. I just don't trust there. And and the Bills defense has been super disappointing for what it could have been expected. But I just don't think the passing game um, of San Francisco is gonna get it done. Um, and yeah, they're gonna be able to. They can run it a little bit with Monster, but I don't think they can win the game just on uh, the rushing attacks. And if Nick Mullins can't get it done through the air, I don't. I don't really see a path to victory for them. So I'm gonna take the Bills, uh, thirty-one to twenty. 
And then lastly, I mean, at this point, I think we should just, they should have a night of football every night. You got Monday night football, Tuesday night football, Wednesday night football, <laughs> Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Not Saturday. Saturday's for college. Sunday. Um, this this one we have uh, the Thanksgiving men, the Dallas Cowboys. They have essentially almost a two-week layoff from this. Um, and then, wait. One second. Yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. Um feels like thing I mean Thanksgiving was forever ago. They they're getting essentially a two week layoff. Um going up against the Baltimore Ravens who they're just on <laughs> essentially a regular week going from Wednesday night football to Tuesday night football. And I can I, I can check right now. I think I wrote this down before they put a spread out. Uh the spread's seven and a half Baltimore. So I think this is going to be a pretty horrible game to watch. Uh, Dallas has just been non-competitive almost all year. They have probably the worst defense in the league as of right now and just can't put up anything on offense. So I see the Ravens pulling this one out 21-10. to 10. Uh, Ravens have also, just like you said, like the Bills defense, they've also been pretty disappointing in terms of offensive production. Uh, a lot of that blame has to do with lack of line and weapons and some pretty poor offensive play calling. Um, I think they're ro- relying on the pass a little bit too much, coming off of one of the best uh, run rushing attacks in some of the in some recent history that we've seen last year. Um, I, I just don't expect Dallas to really do anything to the Ravens, especially with how many people they've had on COVID that should be coming back for this game. So I don't see Dallas doing much this week. Yeah, uh, Dallas, there was a little, they had, that, they had a big win um, with Andy Dalton a couple weeks ago when he came back, uh, hyping themselves up for Thanksgiving football. They weren't, I think, I don't know why people put so much love into that one game. They're still a pretty bad team. Um, they still have pieces on offense, but they don't, they're not getting it done. Zeke is mildly regressed. Not my, I would say significantly regressed. And defensively, there's nothing going on there. And while the Ravens have looked pretty abysmal, um, they put up a good fight Wednesday night, you know, down a lot of guys. Assuming, I mean, if Lamar Jackson's not back at quarterback, it it might be, I'd maybe shorten the margin a little bit. But ultimately, I think the Ravens have a big game. They need it. It doesn't, it feels like, you know, I, to me, it feels like it's still like, yeah, they can just ease their win. They're sitting at number nine in the playoff picture. And there's really, you have the light, they're, they're going to have to win. They, I don't want to say win out, but they got, they got to get to 10 wins. That's for sure. So they need to start playing some legit football right now. And, and I think they can do that against a Dallas team. I think they're playing them at a perfect time. They'll be able to find a little bit of an offensive rhythm, and they don't have to concern themselves too much defensively about, you know, getting 40 dropped on them. So I'm going to take the Ravens 35-17. to 17. Um, And that's all game-wise. Do you have any other uh, specific storylines you want to talk? Um, I think, I guess Josh Gordon getting reinstated, I think that will be a bigger part of Seattle's offense than most people expect, you know. Call him washed, call him whatever you want, but he has 
he's one of the most physically gifted and talented receivers when he was healthy and in his prime form. And so I think he's going to be a bigger part of the offense than most people expect. He kind of reminds me of a little bit of a slower version of DK Metcalf. Yeah, I think the thing is people need to realize he's not their number one. He's not their number two. He's mm-hmm. going to be that guy. Um, you already have it going back and forth between DK and Tyler Lockett. It's already hard enough to stop them. When you have someone as talented as Josh Gordon playing third fiddle, it just mm-hmm. improves the offense so much. Is he is like the addition of him going to make them a significantly better team? No. Does he improve their offense and give them – you know, a very legitimate third wide receiver option, 100%. Um, because that offense, when that's humming, that's that's unstoppable. Mm-hmm, exactly. Um, I'm trying to think if there's really anything else going on. Outside, I feel like Josh Gordon was mainly the big news today. Um, yeah, that, I think that's all we got today. Yeah, today, let's see. Nothing, there's really nothing new. Obviously, we've had some of the head coach firings the last week. Mm -hmm. I guess they dropped some new, I'm looking at some of the publications. They dropped some mock drafts and stuff, but really nothing, like, Um, news-wise. I guess I'll ask you, uh, who's your MVP? Who do you think will end up pulling it out? Um, well, who I think will win the award is different from who I think should win the award. I think who will win it, no question, is going to be Mahomes. But if we're talking most valuable player, I think it should go to Rodgers because he's been more valuable to his team, leading them through a very mediocre defense. Uh, He doesn't have the same uh, team on his side that Mahomes does. You know, Mahomes has the weapons of one of the best running back duos in the league. You got Tyreek Hill, probably the fastest receiver in some some of NFL history, definitely in recent history. Uh, I don't know how far back dating, but, um, you know, you've got Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey, the best tight end in the league so far. Obviously, Kittle would put up a an argument for production, but with him being on IR this year, the best tight end this year, no doubt goes to Travis Kelsey. So um, Mahomes has had a lot more support basically his whole career, and Aaron has had years where he's he's just doing it all on his own. You know, there's there's a difference between... Um, there's a difference between being able to win the games with that big of a system off in the, sorry system in the offense where Mahomes is going to succeed so much, and difference between really helping your organization pull through, and so I think or sorry that that didn't make sense. Uh, there's a, there's a difference between um being helped a lot by a ton of targets on your team and a ton of super talented people and being one of the only guys out there obviously Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams out there is going to help Aaron Rodgers but other than that he really doesn't have a ton um Packers drafting Jordan Love when they should have taken a receiver and so I I think Aaron Rodgers has been more valuable than Mahomes but I think Mahomes has been the better player and depending on who you what you define the award as, you give to either one, but I think Mahomes is definitely going to win it. Yeah, I think it's it's a massive question of whether you value it as most valuable player or, like, a most outstanding player. It's it's hard to really put on. And, it, you know, it's it's ignorant to say that Patrick Mahomes, you know, is you know is what he is because, purely because of what he has around him, but it's hard to right. deny that he has 
um, the two top leading receivers in um, in all of football, I believe, in mm-hmm. Tyreek Hill and or I guess did, did DK mess that chain up? Uh, DK is number one right now, but Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey are two and. Three. Okay, so that's why that I I forgot I that was the statistic before Monday night. So he's number two and three. Um, in receiving yards, he has good offensive line, good pieces around him. Aaron Rodgers, he when when you look at the numbers, um, Mahomes has been better, but they've both been incredibly phenomenal. Um, yeah, I just used two, you know, big words that should probably be used by themselves. Aaron Rodgers throwing for thirty one hundred yards, thirty three touchdowns, and four interceptions. Uh, Mahomes throwing for just about thirty five hundred yards, thirty touchdowns, and two interceptions. They're they're both playing at ridiculous levels, and what Aaron Rodgers, I don't know what it is. There's just there's so much like hate towards this guy, and everyone feel you know wants to put him down and act like you know he's not good anymore. He's been nothing short of phenomenal this year, and he's doing it. I think he still has some pretty good weapons in that he has you know a true number one in Devontae Adams and. Aaron Jones and guys like uh, Bob Tunyon have carved out roles, but he's doing it with a much more unheralded motley crew kind of thing mm-hmm. than Patrick Mahomes. So it's really all about how you define the award. I think um, they should be one and two. And ultimately, the way you got to look at it uh, in the grand scheme of things is we're living in a crazy golden era for quarterbacks. Exactly. Um, there's. There's just so much greatness going on. You still have, I guess, Drew Brees hurt. Still got Drew Brees. You have a guy like Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes. You have some greats, you know, the likes of Ben Roethlisberger. We've had guys ushered out. Also have the man in Tampa Bay, Tom Brady. Um, More of a woke than the goat to me. But it's it should be interesting. For a while, it really looked like Russell Wilson had it in the bag, fumbled it a little bit. Um over the last couple of weeks, but nonetheless, um, still a phenomenal year, and it's been fun, because it feels like, I mean, you're a, Se- you're a Seahawks fan, so you definitely watch them more intently than I do, but it's been awesome to really watch them let Russ cook, because it feels like that offense forever was mainly them just, you know, running the ball, smash mouth, um, Russ just throwing it kind of when was needed, and now it's just such an electric pass offense, um, letting Russ sling it deep to DK and Tyler Lockett. Yeah, watching Russ, especially in the beginning of the season, was definitely one of the more exciting things to do. Um, in the beginning of the season, for the few first few games, he just could not be touched. Um, through the first three games, I believe he had 15 touchdowns and one interception. And the interception wasn't his fault. It was a pass that went right through Greg Olson's hands straight to one of the McCourty twins who took it to the house. But um, leading us to, hard to believe, but the first 5-0 and start in franchise history, he was great to watch. And ever since, I want to say Buffalo, he just has not been, yeah, Buffalo, he just has not been, or sorry, sorry, ever since Arizona, ever since we played Arizona in week six, he threw three interceptions. We just have not been the same. We've been very good offensively. We just have not been as good as we were through those first few games. I, I believe through those first few games, we were probably the leading uh, Super Bowl favorite for the NFC. Um, and it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how our offensive balls from here. But I and I hope that Russ ends up getting at least an MVP vote so people will stop talking about, wow, he's, he's zero votes. You know, he's the Drew Brees of his generation. So 
Hopefully he gets at least a vote, but I don't think he'll be winning this year unless very drastic happens. Yeah, that's the thing about the Seahawks team is beginning of the year, I mean, their defense was, you know, subpar from the get-go, but their offense was playing at such a crazy pace and they were winning that I think, yeah, they definitely looked like the NFC favorite. And then with the D, with uh, the offense not quite at the prolific rate, kind of muddies things up. But for the Seahawks, it's the offense, it, it's, gonna, it's one of the better units in football when they're, you know, when they're fully on or even if they're not 100%. If the defense can play like they can, which it's not a lack of talent, they have plenty of talent there uh but if they can play up there i think they're a prime contender in the nfc mm-hmm. yeah um i'm trying to think there are a couple maybe little things but i think that was that's really all uh all the big headlines so if you have anything else to add go ahead but i think we can wrap it up pretty soon i think i'm good thank you for having me of course um you have anything i always offer any shameless plugs you need any shameless plugs? Yeah, I mean, uh, look, I'm I'm about to plug maybe th- three, four things, so go ahead if you need if you need to. <laughs> um, uh, follow my Insta, Jackson Powers underscore. Add me on Snap, Jackson Powers three, and stream Capu Jeezy's new album coming out tomorrow, aka this Friday, December fourth. <laughs> Incredible. Um, as I alluded to. Uh, check out the blog, the redshirt.blog. The um, written version of these predictions will be up um, right around when the podcast drops, when you're listening to this. Um, Instagram, at the.redshirt. That's where I'll post um, where everything is, whether it be the podcast or the blog. Follow the Twitter, at the redshirt blog, if, um, you know, maybe I'll tweet with it. And odds are, if you're listening to this, you probably follow all my mains, but, you know, I don't know, I'm feeling, um, why not throw it out there, the Instagram, at TigoJare, and the, um, Twitter, JareSchneid14, and that's, uh, that's the conclusion of my shameless plugs, that'll just about do it for this episode of the Red Shirt Podcast, thank you guys for listening in.